Okay, we're learning Da'af <coughs> Yilchetz. We're starting from a couple, second line down. So what we've been discussing is what happens when there's a Akadosh uh, Baruch who makes a Gzardin on somebody. So this is a decree, something is going to happen. And then he want, the, the person does the shuva, he repents or something like that. So what, what happens after that point? Right, so that's the Shiloh here. What happens after that point? Could it be ripped up? Could it not be ripped up? How exactly does that work? So the Gemara says, Gzardin di Yesterday we were saying that the key variable is whether it's yachid or rab. We're saying if it's a yachid, then it cannot get overturned when the person does teshuva. But if it's a rab in the sense of communal, then it could. So the Gemara today is going to show us that the truth is it's not such a simple conclusion. Really, it's a dispute in the Tanah. Tanya says in the Bible, Omar Meir used to say, let's think about the following case. Two people are put in the hospital, put in the bed, and they're exactly the same sickness. Two people are entering into a case of judgment, and they're both the same thing. One patient recovers, he leaves the hospital, the other guy doesn't. Or is it so? One person is spared the death, the death penalty, the other one is not. So you're going to ask, why is, the, why is it that way? Why was one guy married, having merit to be saved and one guy not? Then it's all in itself. This one not getting the death penalty and this one, yeah. Like, what's the answer here? Zem, must be, it's Valvanana. This one, Davin, then was answered. Whereas this one, Davin, it was not answered. Then you're going to follow that up with another question. It doesn't say that neither of them Davin, right? It says, they, it says this one, Davin, was answered, and this one, Davin, then was not answered. What is the reason that this one was answered and this one is not answered? So the response we give is the one who answers a tefillah shlema. Tefillah shlema means a complete tefillah, which is a way of saying that he was into it, right? He was connected. He was having kavana. So then he was answered. But the one who did not have a complete one, he was not answered. So it's all about, in the first view of the Tana here, it's all about how good a person's davening is. If a person is able to, 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 to connect in the deepest sense of tefillah, then we're, he, he, he can be saved. Uh, whereas somebody who is not, then he, then he won't necessarily be saved. That's the first understanding, the first perspective that Rabbi Meir gives on this scenario. How could two people with the exact same illness, one die and one not? Whereas Rabbi Lazar, Omer, different explanation. It depends what point the people daven. One person daven before there was a gemardin. One person davened after the Gemardin. So it's hard to know exactly what makes the Gemardin occur. Meaning, it sounds like the threat or the danger isn't necessarily relating to the Gemardin. So one guy was on the hospital bed, he, the Gemardin was already issued. So since the verdict was already issued in Shemayim, his tefillah would not be able to do anything at that point. It's Acha Gemardin. Whereas the other person who's called him the Gemardin, so he would be able to, uh, to be saved. That's the third perspective. So according to this, very clearly, we see that Yachad cannot change after the Gemara din. And then finally, the Gemara finishes, Rabbi Yitzchak Amar, no, what are you talking about? You're saying that if it's Achad Gemara din, the tefillah is ineffective. Yafel L'Tzakal Adam, crying out and davening, that's good for a person. He's saying that he doesn't agree. Rabbi Yitzchak is saying that the way you're understanding it, that if it's Achad Gemara din, then that's the person, the patient who's going to die. It's not true. Davening can be beneficial, even the So clearly what's going on here in the Brisa is a machlekes, it's a dispute about the variable which we said yesterday. We were saying yesterday that Yachid can't do to Davin or to Shuva and have it ripped up. It's final. Today we're seeing very clearly that that's a machlekes tanam. You might remember that we had two days ago on Sunday we were learning 
that there's a machlokas if a person is judged every single day or only judged on Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara asked that if we are judged only on Rosh Hashanah, not every day, what's the purpose in davening for the sick every single day? What's the point? The Gemara din was already said. And the Gemara quoted this opinion of Rabbi Yitzchak. The Gemara quoted this Rabbi Yitzchak that it's beneficial to cry out even the Achar Gemara din, meaning that that seems to be the perspective that we, that we work with, even though we see it's a dispute. It's not, not so simple, not so simple at all. But we seems to be a dispute here, and there is value for Yachid davening and doing Teshuvah, even the Achar Gemara din. Theoretically, it could be changed. Okay, now the Gemara pushes further. Again, whether or not a Yachid's Gizar Din could be changed, that, that, that's questionable. But for sure, we came out that a Tzibor's Gizar Din could be changed. When the community does Teshuva, we came out yesterday, for sure it could be revoked. So it says the Gemara, is that really true? Gizar Din to Tzibor Mimikra, is that so clear that the decree against the Tzibor could be changed? One Pasuk says in Yirmiyah, Pasuk says, Kapsi Mirah Libach, wash your heart, Kapsi, to wash off the heart of evil. And the point is that Yerushalayim should be saved. Clearly we see that Teshuvah, Yermia was imploring the people due to Teshuvah, they would be saved. Uksiv, we have another Pasuk in Yermia. This is one of the, the sad Pesukim in the, in the Peronius that we read in Naftar. Akim Tachapsi Vaneser. Even if you're going to wash yourself with soap, Yisav Lechaboris, again, different type of soap, still Nechtam Avanech Lefanai. Your sin is already in front of me, it's already inscribed, it's already final, there's nothing you can do to change it. So what's going on? One Pasuk Yirmi is telling people to do Shiva and save themselves. One Pasuk is saying it can't save themselves. How would we understand the contradiction? It must be, my love, the Pasuk, the first Pasuk, is before it was Xardin. It was just that it was a danger for the basement that should be destroyed, but the verdict hadn't been sealed. Whereas the second Pasuk, which Yirmi is telling the people your fate is doomed, it's already sealed. That's going Lachar Xardin. So if we say that's the resolution, and we see that the, the decree against the community, there's no way that they can tear it up. So the Gemara answer is low. It's not necessarily the case. Both are after the Gemara din. The pasuk that, that, that says that even if you're going to wash, it's final. Yermio was specifically talking about if the decree was, was accompanied with a shvua. Kodesh Baruch didn't stop make the decree. He specifically made the decree in a way it was accompanied with a shvua, with an oath. Kodesh Baruch makes an oath that's different. If it's a company with an oath, you can't tear it up. to the house of Eli. So Eli was the righteous Kohen God, right? In the times of, um, of, of Shmuel, right? He was the one, Hannah came, he thought Hannah was davening, he thought she was drunk. She had a child. Shmuel was raised from Eli. Now, Eli was a very righteous person. This is at the end of the times of the Shoftim. But what happened was, is that his children were wicked. They didn't follow in his ways. Whatever exactly they did, the Gemara discusses elsewhere. But the Pasuk says that there's a Shmuel that HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes to the house of Eli, that there's never going to be an atonement that they can bring. That there's no atonement or mincha offering. There's no carbon that they can bring to ever get close back to me. That's what the Pasuk says, a very harsh Shavuah. So, so, so the Gemara is saying that that's the concept that we have, that there's not Stam Exardin. Sometimes there's Exardin, Shiyeshimo Shavuah. As we see that Hashem used with the house of Eli. So we're saying it so too, that's what Yirmiya was saying. Yirmiya was saying, even if you wash yourself with soap, it's not going to hell. That's after HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a Shavuah that he was going to destroy the base of Mekdash. So if it's Stam Exardin against the community, that's for sure that the community can do Davin, they can do Teshuvah communally, and they can revoke the, they can get it revoked. But if it's talking about the Achar Shvua, they're not. So what are we coming out? Zardin Sheish even even a community can't do. Stam Zardin for sure, a community could get away. 
and a yachid la'achrik zardin, that's a machlokas tanam. That's where we're coming out. Now the Gemara makes an inference about what happened to the house of Eli. Again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a shvua that even if they bring all sorts of karbonos, they're not going to be get uh, reconciled with him. So the Gemara says, Amarava, but we can make an inference that there still is hope for the house of Eve. It's only through the power of Karbanos that they can't get it Torah. But through learning Torah, the house of Eli does have hope. They could get atonement through Torah study or through acts of kindness. So the difference here is, the difference here is, is that is there a value to Gemilas Chasadim for getting Kapara or only to Torah? Rava was only emphasizing the Torah. Abayi was emphasizing the Torah and Gemilas Chasadim. So, you know, everyone always makes this point over here how the, the Chisarun of, of Eli was, the, was in the, the pillar of Avoda. Avoda they weren't able to do. So, in Avoda they weren't able to do, so what keeps a person afloat? So, it's like a very wobbly thing if there's three, if there's three pillars the world stands on. So you can't, you know, bring any, they lost the avodah, so to speak. Even if they would bring all the karbonos, it wouldn't work. Once they failed in avodah, it was a shua that they weren't going to be miskapar b'avodah. But we're saying with Torah, Gimilas Chasadim, or Torah, they were able to come back. So the question here is, what's the significance of having Gimilas Chasadim? So the Gemara says it was a very personal significance. Rabbi Abaye, Midabes, Eli, Kalsu, both Rabbi Abaye were descendants in the house of Eli. Rabbi, Dalsu, Torah, Abakai, Rabbi, Rabbi, who learned Torah, he was very busy with Torah, but not necessarily Gemilas Chasadim. He lived for 40 years. But Abaye, to also by Torah, Ube Gemilas Chasadim. Abaye, who busied himself not, he concerned himself not in with Torah, but he was busy with Gemilas Chasadim as well. He He lived for 60 years. So Rabbi got another 20 years of his life um, uh, for, 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 for the Torah and for, and for the kindness. Okay. Says the Gemara Tanur Abanon Mishpachas as Yerushalayim. There was once a family in Yerushalayim. Shayim Meisam Meisam Ben Eishimon Asrei Shana. The people would die when they were just eighteen years old. Bovo Dios Rabbi Yochum and Zakai. What's going on? Everybody's dying young. Amalehem Shemi Mishpachas Eliata. So he reads the situation. He says it must be that you're cursed. What's the curse? It must be that you're from the house of Eli. Dilsiv Beiv Chol Mavers Beis Chol Musman Asher. The pasuk says anyone raised in the house of Eli will die young. So how should you save yourself? He gave him the same advice that we just learned. He says, go learn Torah and you'll live. They went and they learned Torah and they lived. They used to call the name of the family that was able to have longevity because they learned Torah. They used to call it the family of Rabbi Yochanan. And it was, so to speak, named after him. Since he gave them the advice how they shouldn't die young, even though they were from the curse of the house of Bezheli to, to keep on, keep on, keep learning Torah and they'd be saved. So therefore it was called in his name. Okay. Now the Gemara continues. Same topic. How do we know that a decree against the community is never sealed? So first the Gemara says, that's not an accurate statement. The decree is never sealed. Is that true? That Pasek says, Right, that, that, that there, there is that concept that where the community's fate is sealed, that even if you wash yourself with soap, it's final, it's nothing you can do. And um, so obviously it's permanent, it's sealed. Whatever exists that we just said, what did we say last time? That we're talking about Bashvua, but whatever it is, there definitely is such a concept. So the Gemara says, How do we know that, if we rephrase the question, that even if it's sealed, it could be torn up? It says in the Pasuk here in... Um, 
that how great is Hashem? Hashem is so close to us that He's there whenever we call out to Him. So the mashmos of the pasuk is that whenever the Jewish people call out to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, He's still so close to us, and He can override any previous decrees. So the shaila is, and this is this this, this is a hard point, is that so how do we reconcile that with the pasuk that says kiim tachapsi vanetzar itam avenech lefanai? Right. In other words, the Gemara happened. The Gemara started off saying. Zardin Shanu Tzibar is never is never Nechtam. The Gemara says, "What do you mean? It is Nechtam." The pasuk says, "Nechtam avanech lefanai." So the Gemara says, "No, how do I know that even Nechtam it could be Nikra?" So the Gemara is bringing this second pasuk. So what does it mean that the pasuk says, "Even if you wash with the soap, it's still going to remain a stain"? So you have to say it means without real davening. Even if you wash with soap, it means without real davening. It's a hard thing. Earlier, the Gemara was mashma that there's a total finality, right? We said maybe he's talking about when there's a shvua, there's nothing that could be done. Now the Gemara just goes back to that same pasuk, and it's saying, well, we know from another pasuk that really kashem alinu b'chol karinu elav. It's very hard. But it, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. It sounds like the Gemara before was taking it, you know, that it has to be that one was Bishvua, ain't no Nikra, the Gemara said, right? I don't know. I'm not sure. Gemara brought that same puzzle. So the Gemara now is concluding for, you know, there's, there's no question that the Jewish people are special. We're looking at this puzzle, that if we turn to Hashem, there's always like a theoretical possibility Hashem will answer the tefillah. So the Gemara now asks, Very famous Basak, you should call out Sik Hashem, when he could be found. So what does that mean, when he could be found? It sounds like there's times when God cannot be found. When he is found. The implication is there are times when he's not found. So what's going on? The previous Basak said, Whenever we call Hashem, Behimatso is saying that there are times when Hashem cannot be found. So what's going on? So the Gemara explains, when it's a yachid, then it's only behimatzo. You can only be guaranteed that the tefillah will, find, will work only at certain times. However, when it's a tzibor, then it's b'chol karinu love, which is b'chol karinu love, which is able to say that we can always overturn an evil decree. So the Gemara asks, when are these special times of behimatzo? So in other words, normally a yachin isn't always guaranteed to find Hashem. It's only behimatzo. So what is the himatzo time? The 10 days between Hashem and Yom Kippur. The Deir Hashem behimatzo, those are the 10 days. So a yachid, basically during those 10 days, no matter what Zardin, no matter what anything, he's got the same power of the tzibor that is, that is, that is, is the channels of tefillah which are always open. Whereas a tzibor, they don't need the Aseris of Teshuvah specifically. The tzibor has Aseris, without it, they have the power by Hashem Al-Kinu B'chol Karinu Elav that they always call out. Okay. Continues the Gemara, Vayikah Teres Yemen Vayikah Vashem as Novel. So you have to know the story here with Novel. So there's a whole story with Novel. Novel lives with the times of David HaMelech. So basically, David's men guarded, Novel was at a lot of sheep. And David's men did a favor to him, they guarded it. And then David wanted to be repaid from Novel. He asked his men, his men were hungry, they wanted something from Novel. And they go, and he basically says, eventually, me David and me Ben Yishai. Yeah, I don't know this guy. I'm not doing anything. And Kalish Baruch Hu really hurt them. Hashem, it was 10 days after it happened. So the Pasuk says that Hashem struck them. So the Gemara wants to know, why did it take 10 days? Asara Yamim, 
What's the significance? Why didn't Hashem punish Novel immediately on the spot? Even though Novel didn't really feed them, but he gave them 10 little morsels. He gave them 10 little tastes. Meaning, it seems like proper etiquette is when a poor man comes, you give him a little taste, you know, a little appetizer, and then afterwards you feed him properly. So Novel didn't refuse David's men from the appetizers. He only refused them from feeding them properly. So connected the little appetizers, the 10 little morsels that he gave them, he was saved for 10 days, but then he was hurt. Says the Gemara, I'm not going to remember, connected the days that Hashem waited for Novel to do Teshuvah. So does that mean the story literally happened then? And, and, and Hashem waited to see if he would do Teshuvah? During the Aseris made Teshuvah, that's what it sounds like. And then after that point, after Aseris made Teshuvah, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu um, struck him dead. Okay, then we learned the phrase in the Mishnah, Barosh Hashanah, Kobay Olam, over in the front of Kibbenei Maron. Well, the Mishnah was trying to say that every individual, every person is Joshua Rosh Hashanah. But the words that the Mishnah uses is that everybody passes in front of Hashem like B'nei Marah. So the Gemara says, Like lambs. Amanya. Maron is like Imran, which is an Aramaic word for a lamb. Right? Because lambs, when they're counted for Maiser Behema, they go out one by one. Because you have to count one out of ten. So if they would go out more than one at a time, you lose track. So you go out one by one, single file. So just like the lambs are counted by Maiser Behema, that's the way we're counted by Hashem Hashanah. Like the pass of Maron. So Maron was a very steep mountain range. So because it's so steep, you have to walk single file. That's the point. It's so narrow, the road, the two people can't walk side by side. So that's the idea that it's like walking up on that path, where it's, where it's again single file. We're like the soldiers of the house of David. What's the idea? It was like a, um, a march. It was a march of pride. There was an army, and they would watch out single file. And evidently, um, the Mene Maron is a Lushan of Maros. Maros is like, almost like an aristocracy. Like, it's like a, a pride to walk out that way. So these are the three different Shatim and Kibne Maron. But Lamai, so what do they mean? They all mean the same thing, that Hashem looks at us in a single file way, right? We all have our own moment of judgment. So what's the Vart? We have three different ways, fascinating. Three different Bechinos, three different aspects of the way that a person could be single file. Like a sheep being counted, Sometimes by Maizer Behema, the sheep are go out single file. We have the idea that sometimes it's so steep that a person is an individual when they're walking up in the mountain terrain, the road is so narrow, no one else is on your road. And then we have the pride, right? The pride is the idea that like, the army, the army is the pride of the army is that they march in single file. So the Mavarshim explained such a nice idea that that's exactly the Bechina on, on Rosh Hashanah. There's so many, there's three different Bechinas. On the one end, the animalistic side in us is individual. Don't think that you're the same behemoth as somebody else. Everybody's animalistic side is individual. Everybody's challenges are individual. Walking up the steep road, that path where you need to only one person fits on the road at the same time. Everybody's challenges are different. And number three is that everybody's accomplishments, everybody's pride is different. That morals, like the, the, in the army when you're marching, everybody has a different sense of pride. All the aspects of a, that encompass a person's who they are, they're all single. They're all individual. And that's the idea that our Kaddish Baruch Hu look, gives us all our individual attention on Rosh Hashanah. But here we learn a very deep thing. Despite the fact that it's individual, Hashem still glazes at us all together. It's fascinating. It's together. It's a dichotomy. 
Right? What did the Pasik say? I, that we, our Mishnah quoted, Hashem made all of our hearts together. He understands all of our deeds. My Kamar, what's the Pasik saying? Hashem created everybody and he made everybody the same. Is that what it means? Everybody's mind is the same. Everybody has different opinions. People's hearts and minds are not the same. This is what the Pasik is saying. It means Hashem who created us sees us all together. He understands all of our deeds. So there's a fascinating dichotomy that in one glance Hashem sees us all individually. But it's together, and yet He sees us individually. Okay. Now the Mishnah completely shifts gears. Now we learn something more about the Inyan of Rosh Chodesh and the way that they used to be Mikadish Levana. So the way it was, again, remember the lunar calendar is either 29 or 30 days. The lunar cycle is 29 and a half days. It alternates 30, 29, some months this way, some months that way. Witnesses would see the moon. They would come tell the court. The court would declare it Mekodesh. But that only works. Everyone now knows it's Rosh Chodesh. But people far away from the court don't know. So the Mishnah explains to us, in the beginning of six months, the messengers would be sent out to inform the communities about what day was the first of the month so that they would have an accurate date. Six months, the people have to find out in time. What six months? In the beginning of Nisan, you have to know when's the holiday of Pesach. It's the beginning of Av because of the fast, because of Tisha B'Av. People have to know about Rosh Hashanah. What does that mean? Right? Elo used to be that it was almost always 29 days. So the people had to know when the first of Elul was so that they would know that day 30 would be Rosh Hashanah. That was the point. Now, Lamaisa was still possible that Elul might actually be 30 days. There is a possibility. And there still is a possibility you're not going to know. But you at least have to be in the ballpark to go after most years. Because again, most years, they did not make an Elul over. They did not make. Elul's only mean 29 days. So you want to have an accurate start for when Elul is. But still, because of the possibility that they made it 30 days, they would send out messages again for Tishrei so that they would know when the holidays are, right? Meaning Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Al Kislev Nea Chanukah, and Kislev for Chanukah, Al Adar Nea Purim, and Adar for Purim. So those are the six months. Says the Mishnah, and when the Beis Hamikdash stood, Yotz and Afal Iyar, they would also go out for a year as well. because of Pesach Shini. So the Mishnah is saying that during the, the Beis Hamikdash would also be Iyar. Now there's a big question because when the Beis Hamikdash stood, did they go out for Av? Did they fast? Did they fast for Av? Pasha is not right. So Pasha it means there's always six months. So the question is what the six months are. When the Beis Hamikdash is not standing, it's Av if Neatinus. And when the Beis Hamikdash stood, it's 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 Yaitzin Al Iyar. The question is if the language of the Mishnah really tolerates that shot. It kind of sounds like a little bit more. When the Beis Hamikdash stood, there was a seventh month, right? It doesn't it, it's tough. It's tough a little bit. Um, also, was there a point of time where the Beis Hamikdash wasn't standing, but the Beis was still being the That's actually a great question. Um, I believe. I, I be- you know, I have to look into it, but I leave yes, actually. Yes. I think it, was, it, 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 it went for, for a couple generations, I believe. Actually, I think at the time that the Mishnah was, was being written, that's exactly still what. So in other words, there were about three generations from Rabbi Yochum and Zakai until the set calendar came. And there was definitely a basin, and I believe they were Makadish. The Gemara talks about how a lot of times there was Sakana, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that we, the government tried to stop them and this and that. But that's what I think the error of this Mishnah is really being written. I think your point is a very important point. Historically, the Mishnah is being written to that time period, right? Post the Chorban HaShavai but there still is the, the functionality of the, ba- of the basic. The Mishnah is saying, by the way, it used to be when the basic stood, it would be that way. 
Now I just want to show you, if you just have an important point to go back with the thing about when the base of Mekdash stood, was there a tissue above? This is a very famous thing with the Rambam here. Just saying, there are those who hold that know that it's not a problem, what, I, what the issue I was bringing up, that there actually was Tisha B'Av during the second base of Mikdash, which is a huge Chiddush. Right? Tisha B'Av, you mourn the losses of the base of Mikdash. But while the base of Mikdash stood, the second base of Mikdash, there already was a Tisha B'Av, which is a lot to think about, a lot to think about why it was like that. But the, anyone who wants to say that, this is the Mishnah to bring it from. The, the Pashib shot in the Mishnah is, when, when the base of Mikdash stood, there was a seventh month. There was an additional month for year. Doesn't sound like it's replacing Av. That's not the Pashup shot. When they say Tishabab was a holiday then, was it a fast day or was it a holiday? So that's a different issue. You know eventually it will be a, a, a holiday. So, Nobody, as far as I know, says that Tishabab was a holiday during the second base of Mikdash. Either it was nothing or it was a fast day. That's what the Ramadan's opinion. Eventually we're going to see that it's going to be a, a, a holiday in the third base of Mikdash. Okay? So, There should be more. There are more fast days, right? If you're going out for Tishbaf, why don't you go out for Thomas and Tavis as well? Those are also fast days. This is the Pasuk in Zachariah after the destruction of the first base of Mikdash. And <coughs> that now Zachariah is saying, and this is to get to your point, Zev. He's saying, that during the time of the second base of Mikdash, these things are going to be fast, are going to be holidays. Let's see. During the, this is what Hashem said, the fast of the fourth, the fifth, the seventh, and the tenth will be for joy and happiness. So on the one hand, they're fast days, on the other hand, you're saying they're happy days. So what's going on? When there's peace, Pashup Shat is, again, not like the Ramah, Pashup Shat is like Yuzah. That whenever the base of Mikdash stood, whenever there is peace, you and simcha, there will be holidays. Ain shalom, if there's no peace, if there's a korban abayis, so they're going to be fast days. So basically, um, the, the, the prophet here knows, Zechariah knows that there's going to be the second base of Mikdash and it's also going to be destroyed. So he's speaking to the future and he's saying, we're giving you fast days, but they also could be holidays. And it could be one or the other. So bottom line is, now we have a, a, a korban abayis. So the Mishnah should say that we, with the, the Shluchim Ariyotim also to tell us when these fast days are happening. Why aren't the people being notified about that? Why aren't they being notified about Thomas and Davis to tell the people about the fast days? That's the Gemara's question. So Amar Papa, he didn't get the Pasuk right. Bizman Shalom, when there is peace, meaning Pashib Shad is, that means when, when there's no, the, the, the Pashib Shad means that, that there's a base of Mikdash. Yulis also simplified. Yes, there's happy times. When there's a government decree that the Jews are supposed to be persecuted, so then you have to fast. Meaning, if there's, let's say, all oppression from the Roman, Roman, Roman government or something like that, and there's no base on Mikdash, then they're mandated to fast. But what about if it's pirate? There's no governmental decree that they have to be bad. There's no persecution against the Jewish people, but there's also no base on Mikdash. Then, like in our day and age, what's the din? It's optional. If you want to fast, fast. If you don't want to fast, don't fast. So basically what we're saying is the fast aren't obligatory. So since you don't have to fast, the shulchan aren't yutz. And that's the point the Gemara is making. So there's no chiv to fast. Now you want to know, so why do we fast, right? So the Ka'onim made it a chiv. That's why it's more kuladik. If you have to fast, you have to fast. It's like, it's mamash like Tishbav, it's like Yom Kippur. It starts for the night before. It has chamisha inuyim. The Ka'onim accepted it. We do with all these leniencies. But that's all because the Gemara says we don't have to fast, right? It's very important you say. The Gemara says you only have to fast when there's, when there's persecution from the government 
and there's no base of mikdash. If I'm missing the persecution for the government, even if there's no base of mikdash, you don't have to fast. So the Gemara says, Iyachi Tishbav Nami. So why do we have to fast Tishbav, right? Tishbav also comes from that puzzle. What's the difference? Amar Papa, Shani Tishbav Ovoch Bulutzara. Since there are so many repeated tragedies, the Amar Mar, but Tishbav Harbar has a mikdash, Uvishnia, the both base of mikdash were destroyed, Vinokal the Betar, and Betar was, was destroyed as well. That's the aftermath of, right, our Cold War rebellion. But now, the city of Yishlam was plowed under. So therefore, you know, Av is more Chamer. For Av, it's, it becomes an obligatory day. And even without the persecution, it becomes a Chiv. And that's why. Now you finally understand. That's why Tisha B'Av is like Yom Kippur and nothing else is. Tisha B'Av doesn't have that tonight of the governmental decrees for it to be Chayav and Tisha B'Av. So therefore, it's a Chiv fast day. A Chiv fast day is all the dinim of Yom Kippur. Right? The Chamishay Nuyim starts the night before. But all the other fast days aren't mandated. They're not required. They're optional. So even though we do them, we do them with the Gonim, what the Gonim told us with all these leniencies that are built into them. Okay? Yeah, I mean, the, the basis, the step one is that it, it says that there are leniencies for anyone who's weaker that they don't have to fast. Chazal said, question is, what defines a weaker person? Okay, different question. Talk to Gemara Tanya. Now we elaborate on what the Pasuk said. Amar of Shimon. Four things in the Pesukim. Any Darsh Kamoso. Rabbi Shimon said, "I'm not masking to Rabbi Akiva." One thing. Tomar Viza Tisha Batamas. Pasuk says the fourth. It's the ninth of Tamas. Why the ninth of Tamas? Shabohufko here. During the first base of Mikdash, the ninth of Tamas was when the city was breached. It was not the today what we know the seventeenth of Tamas. It was the ninth of Tamas was the day that the first base of Mikdash, the walls of the city were breached. Shenamar says in the Pasuk, in the fourth the year was breached on the ninth. Why is the Pasuk calling it the fourth, the fourth one? Because it happened in the fourth month. So it was the ninth day of Tammuz is when the city was breached. The ninth the, uh, the, the fast of the fifth is the ninth of Av. That's when the Vesemesh was destroyed. Why does the Pasuk say the fifth month? It happened in the fifth month. Av is the fifth month. So Mashvi, the seventh fast, the third of Tishrei, that's the day that Gedali ben Achikam was assassinated. Right? So this whole thing, Gedali was appointed, he was a Jew. He was appointed governor by Nebuchadnezzar after the first base of Mikdash because Nebuchadnezzar left Jews settling in Eretz Israel. He destroyed the base of Mikdash, but he left a population of Jews remaining behind. So when he was assassinated, what happened was it was viewed as a rebellion, as a rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. So because of that, he took it out on the Jewish people and, and, he, and he kicked them out. So it was the last hope was gone after Nebuchadnezzar was assassinated. Also, it was assassinated because of Lashon As you know, the backstory of why he was assassinated, it was all because of Lashon Umi Argo killed him, Yishmael ben Nisanim. Argo summoned Yishmael ben Nisanim. The whole story. And this was something, uh, it was a betrayal from another Jew. What does the story tell you? The fact that we have two fastings. Tishbav and the Harigas of, of, of Gedalia. So we see that the killing of Gedalia is like equal and equally bad to the burning of the Beis HaMikdash. So we see that the, the death of Sadiqim is so important. Why is it called the seventh fast? Because Tishrei is the seventh month. Soma Asiri, the tenth fast. That's the tenth of Tevez. That's the day that the king of Babel besieged Yerushalayim. So that actually happened first. right? The siege happened first. Son of man, write for yourself. And this very day, the king of Bavel has begun to siege Yerushalayim. Why is it called the 10th 
fast because Asir Chadashim may happen in the tenth month. I, what's the obvious question? Shouldn't the Pasuk write about the tenth of Teves first? That was the first thing. First, the city was sieged. That's the tenth of Teves. Then on the ninth of Tammuz, the city was broken into. Then on the Ninth of Av, the basement is just destroyed. And then Gedalia is assassinated. So shouldn't it start from Teves? Why is it written last? According to Rabbi Akiva, we have to say that it was just going in the order of the months. So since it was going in the sequence of the months, so it did Tamos, Av, Tishrei, and then, and then, and then um, Teves. But in fact, the order really started from Teves. Really, it goes what happened. The events in Teves, then the events of Tamos, Av, and then Tishrei. So that's all Rabbi Akiva's understanding. Says Rabbi Shimon, Va'ani, but regarding me, any American. This is not what I say. I say different. And the Pasuk says the fast of the tenth is the fifth of Teves. What's the fifth of Teves? Shabo It was the day that the news of the destruction reached the people. What does this mean? There were people who were exiled eleven years before the base of Mikdash. King Yechanya. Yechania was exiled. He was a king. And he was exiled 11 years before the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. He was exiled to Babel. They heard about the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash on the 5th of Teves. So this, that, it's actually the last step. right? The Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, 9th of Av. Then Gedalia is, is killed on the 3rd of Teves. A few months later, the people in Babel first hear about the destruction. So it's the last step. The fifth of Tevez. Right, the, the fugitive comes from Yishalayim and he tells us about the fact that the city was destroyed. They heard the day that they heard about the news, they treated it like a Tishabav, as if that was the day that it was destroyed. This is Reb Shimon's opinion. So very interesting. Reb Shimon is telling us that... Um, that, 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 that the last day of, that the events of Teves that we have a fast day are not the day the city was besieged, the 10th of Teves, but the 5th of Teves, the day that we're commemorating is the day that it was heard about, the day that they heard about the destruction of Vesem Mikdash. And Shimon continues, My words make a lot more sense in Rabbi Akiva. According to me, the first tragedy, the breaching of the walls is in order. While the last tragedy, hearing about it is the last thing. But he switched the order. He's got the 10th the of Teves, the last thing, when really that's the first thing that happened. Again, he's justified. He's going according to the sequence of the months. I'm going according to the chronological order of the way that the things happened. Now, so after all is said and done, we have a machlokas, if it's the 10th of Teves or the 5th of Teves, is it going after the siege or is it going after the time that they heard about the destruction of the Mikdash? Fine, very good, but what about the, 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 the Yud Zion Thomas test Thomas thing? The Gemara doesn't talk about that. The Gemara just says that the, 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 the fast day of the fourth month that Zachariah is talking about is the ninth of Thomas. And the Pasuk says it was the ninth of Thomas when the city was breached. So why do we have the 17th of Thomas? It makes no sense. So Tyson struggles with this. Tyson explains that we have to say that the second, the second, based on Mikdash, the calamity of the breaching of the city took place on the 17th. And therefore, we're actually commemorating more the, 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 the breaching of the city of the, of the 17th than the 9th. Why don't you have both? It's too hard to fast too quickly. That's what this is an interesting thing. Also, the Gemara in, in, in Tainus says that there were other sad things which happened on Yudzad and Damas. But the Maya said, it seems like it's only because the city was breached on the 17th that we started doing it. Now, the Menchaz very famously tells us that we shouldn't be so bothered by the exact dates. Because he says, if you look at the Pasuk, it doesn't say an exact date. The Pasuk just says the fast of the 4th, the 5th, the 7th, and the 10th. 
So as long as you do it in the month, you're good. That's a very famous chiddush of the Menchas Chinuch, the way he relates to this, the 9th, the 17th, different, many night, different afkaminas. All right. So now we move on to discuss something called Megillah's Tainus. So to discuss something called Megillah's Tainus, Megillah's Tainus is a book. And it's a book that outlines all sorts of moral victories that the Jewish people got during the second base of Mikdash. Now, the moral victories, they basically said, you're not allowed to fast on them, you're not allowed to eulogize on them. They're like minor holidays. And we'll see some examples of these moral victories. So the question is, Megillah's Tainus is done. We don't observe these days anymore. Once the base of Mikdash is destroyed, these days are no longer relevant. In other words, if, if we're in a sad time, we're not going to celebrate some historical minor victories that did happen to the Jewish people. We're living with Horban. We're living with Horban, but No, it's still around. What do we just learn? When there's peace, the past, the, the, these days are for happiness. When there's no peace, they're fast days. So they were festivals in the base of Mikdash, and now after the base of Mikdash, they're fast days. So the days of Megillah's Tainus also, when the base of Mikdash stood, they were holidays, minor holidays, but now they're treated just like, no, they're totally canceled since the base of Mikdash was destroyed. No, these days are still around. These days, the base of Mikdash, and these days, these fast days, HaKadosh Baruch who said are dependent on the base of Mikdash. In other words, the, the, the Navi made them dependent upon that. Whereas Hanukkah and Kaimi Kaimi, these moral victories, these happy days of Megillah's Tainus have nothing to do with the Beis HaMikdash. Happens to be they were instituted during the time of the Beis HaMikdash. But even after the Beis HaMikdash, they are still celebrated. There was once a story in Lud, and the people decreed a fast day, and it was during Hanukkah. You know what Rabbi Lazar said? He defied the, 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 the fast day. He went down and he bathed. Rabbi Shua Vesipa, Rabbi Shua took a haircut. And why? Because it's not a fast, it should be a fast day. It's Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a happy day. Rabbi Shua told the people, you guys did the wrong thing for fasting. You should fast for the fact that you fasted. Meaning if it's Hanukkah, then it's a happy day. And if it's a happy day, it's wrong to fast. Now, how do we know that Hanukkah is a happy day? Any Mishnah? Anyone? No Mishnah. It says Hanukkah is a happy day. It's a price for Megillah's Titus. Very important you say it's only from a b'risa in Megillah's Tainus that says that Hanukkah is a minor yontif. You might remember the Gemara in Shabbos, Chafal of Kutz, but it's only a b'risa that comes from Megillah's Tainus. Okay, very important. Very important key. Hanukkah is only legislated through Megillah's Tainus. And when did Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Yeshua live? After the base of Mikdash was destroyed. And they're still observing Hanukkah. Right? They're saying you can't fast on Hanukkah. Why? Must be. Because the, the, the institution that it can't be a fast day that's written in Megillah's Tainus is still around. So we see that even post the destruction of the base of Mikdash, there is no, there, 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 there is a din of Megillah's Tainus saying that Hanukkah is a, is a holiday. That's the proof of the Gemara. So the Gemara says, Amar Yosef Shana Hanukkah. Hanukkah is different than the other holidays in Megillah's Tainus. Why? Dika mitzvah. Because there's also a mitzvah. Meaning besides the fact that it was a legislation of a happy day that you don't fast, it's also, they made an institution of a mitzvah. So since there's an institution of a mitzvah to light the menorah, so therefore, Hanukkah lasts even after the Chorban Abayis. That's not a good reason. If the holiday goes away, the mitzvah should go away as well. Meaning the mitzvah is on the holiday. If you, want to be, if you could be mevatah, what it says in Megillah's Tainus, so cancel the holiday and the mitzvah will go away. The idea is that it already became publicized. In other words, since people were observing it, and because of the mitzvah, it became so 
public. So to cancel a public day that everyone is so familiar with would be odd. So that's why they didn't cancel Hanukkah. But the other minor holidays, where even if people were observing them, they weren't publicized, therefore perhaps, in fact, they canceled them. Interesting proof. It says in Megillah's Tainis, but Tlossop Tishrei Adbar Minshtarya, on the third of Tishrei, the extra Adkra, Betelas Adkra Minshamai, the mentioning was taken away. What does that mean, the mentioning? They made a takana that in every star they should write Hashem's name. Why? Why such a thing? One time the Greeks made a decree not to mention Hashem's name. They legislated that it's forbidden to say God's name. When the Chashmanam overcame the Greeks, his kino, they made a takana. They made a bad idea, but the idea, bad idea was to celebrate the fact that we don't have to listen to the Greeks. Let's always say Hashem's name. Every single time we write a star, any document, any piece of paper, write God's name. They would write the year of the king. It's such and such a year to the year of Yochan Kohen Gadol, who is in God's name. So they were writing God's name in a superfluous way, all over the place. They were writing, it was ubiquitous. Whenever they wrote anything, they wrote God's name. The rabbis didn't like that. Imagine this guy repays his debt. What do you do with the document? You throw it out. The document with God's name is in the garbage. So therefore, there was a problem. The problem was there was a decree that was making everyone do sins. So what did they do? Ubitlam. The rabbis were able to get enough, you know, lobbying done that they were able to lobby against the Chashmonaim to get rid of the decree. By the way, what a sign of the times. There's a victory, a moral victory, that the rabbis legislate. Today is a happy day. Why is the third of Tishrei a happy day? Because today the rabbis were able to get rid of the legislation that the Chashmonaim made to mention God's name in a superfluous way. That is a moral happy day. Fascinating. Very telling of the times. So that's why they made it a happy day. It's a yontif. We got rid of this bad takana. So they made it into a yontif. So now, what does this have to do with us? Even if it should enter your mind that Megillah's Tainus is gone after the Chorban, so Frakti Gemara, how could the Chachamim make it a happy day? What's going on over here? If you're telling me that everything that was made during the Beis HaMikdash was already taken away, so why are they making new takanas? Now the Gemara is assuming, we'll see why, that this is after the Chorban. So if the Gemara is assuming it's after the Chorban, so if everything else was canceled, why are you making new holidays? Must be that the other ones were not canceled. So it's not the Gemara, the obvious answer. No, No, this is talking about when the Beis HaMikdash stood. In Achanami, after the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, everything's canceled and they wouldn't make a new holiday. This story with the Shtaros and this and that, this took place during this month of the Beis HaMikdash. The rabbis were able to get rid of the Takana during the time of the Beis HaMikdash. The Gemara asked the obvious question. But then it doesn't make sense because the third day of Tishrei is anyways a holiday because it's the day of, uh, that, that Gedalia was killed. And it's during this month of the Beis HaMikdash. So if it's during this month of the Beis HaMikdash, it should anyway be a holiday. Remember, the, the holiday of, of Gedalia ben Achikam was a holiday. It was a holiday during the second Beis HaMikdash. So anyways, it was a holiday. So if you're telling me that it was legislated during the time of the Beis HaMikdash, they didn't need to make it a holiday. Must be they legislated it after this Mount of Beis HaMikdash. That's the point of the Gemara. And now the proof comes back that Megillah's Tainus already applies after this Mount of the Beis HaMikdash. So we'll pick up from this tomorrow.